Thank you guys for joining here again on season five of the Conscious Kitchen podcast. It is an honor to have you guys on our journey to self-discovering stories and ideas to help us all be better humans. It's been our mission to cook up conscious conversation and in the upcoming months, we're bringing on a powerful and unique set of guests. So stay tuned. All right. So today on the podcast, we're joined by the incredible Angel Trinidad, the mastermind behind the Passion Planner. Angel was a lost postgrad soul until she created the ultimate life tool, a planner. And not just any planner, the Passion Planner. She put on a Kickstarter and people went wild, giving her all their money. Now the Passion Planner has a squad of 28 motivated employees and global community over a million people who are all part of the hashtag PashFam. She'll share her inspiring story of building a multi-million dollar company and its positive impact on millions. What sets Anjali apart is her willingness to be vulnerable, both on social media and in her personal life. She explores the human experience through her struggles with ADHD and her beautiful queer relationship and even showcases her Filipino family and their amazing culture. Join us in welcoming the humble yet successful community-made millionaire, Angelia, to the show. Woo! <laughs> thank Hi, you, thank, thank you. you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for that bio. It was so good. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's you. That's you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we're so excited to have you, Angelia. I've been a big fan of just all of your work in the community and just the planner. And we've just been exchanging like fun goods that we've been creating for the past few months. So very honored to have you here. How are you feeling? Tell us how, how you're doing. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um yeah, it's been it's been a great beginning of 2023. Everything start is starting to feel more normal, more settled. Um, I think as like a grander community, but also within my team. So we've been doing a lot of work of, about creating clarity around um, this year, which feels so nice instead of feeling like you're putting out like so many fires. So mm, I'm yeah. really really happy about that. Yeah, that's yeah, I incredible. love. I, we were we were just chatting right before we record recording, and I love that little thing that you said. What was it? The the days are long. Oh yeah, the it, I, I have a lot of parallels. I'm, I've never been a parent, but um, the parenting um, saying that says that the days are long, but the years are short. Um, I totally believe that, especially with running a business. It's going to be our tenth year this year. So wow, congratulations, Alia! Yeah, defying the odds. Most companies do not last that long. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Yeah. I actually Thank received you. your newsletter um, as a as a customer and just the in- incredible like newsletter about, you know, kind of the end of the year, uh, a c- like culmination of what you guys did as a team. Can you share, yeah. can you share a little bit about your newsletter? Because I felt it was very impressive as a entrepreneur myself to see that at the end of the year. So yeah. Tell us about your end of the year newsletter. It's, it's like people got to hear yeah. about it. Yeah. So, um, I really am really reflective, especially when I get towards the end of the year and, um, that's usually the busiest time of the year. And for many, many years, it's been the year where we uh, get burnt out. Um, there was a, a sympathy like card on a, on like a delivery of flowers, but we didn't know why it was a sympathy card. It was supposed to be like a congratulations card and it was in our office. And it said something like, I'm here, Q4, I'm here to like mess it up again, because that's how <laughs> traumatic someone in our office had written it on that anonymous card because it was that difficult for us, you know, um, going through virality, um, and going from selling four planners a day to selling 
4,000 planners a day. Wow. Um, when I had never ran a company, never shipped a product, was really wild. Well, I'm. it was just wild. It was a big gap to overcome, especially with growing pains. So I think it's been every single year since virality, so eight years of just trying to put out fires. Like, um, And this Q4 was the first time that we actually made it Q fun and not <laughs> Q4, which was everyone had so much anxiety and nervousness about Q4. So, um, and it's, and it didn't happen over a year. It happened over many, many years of trying and seeing what worked and what didn't. Um, the team really came up with ways to, um, like see when burnout was coming and be proactive about it. We, um, my CEO created a burnout workshop, that we did in Q3. So when I say Q4, it's the last three months of the the year. Some people in business don't really know when I say Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4. Um, But yeah, Q4 is the holiday season, essentially. And what else did we do? Um, We celebrated together. Um, We just did a lot of things that I think were honoring the humans, the humans on our team versus just the business. Yeah. And what were some of the fun practices you guys like did? Obviously, I guess the day to day is a lot of, um, you know, logistics, uh, customer service, uh, creative. But like, how do you shake it up like in a normal office? You know, because I think it's different, like, you know, with post pandemic. I mean, people are just wanting to find more joy in their life. So what was what was the thing that you guys tried to incorporate with play and fun? Yeah, so we actually do um, a monthly team building where we try to do it, um, whether that's in person. So most of the time we have one um, team building that's in person and that happens uh, usually in San Diego because everyone works remotely, but most of us live in San Diego. So whether that's like a picnic or like a potluck or um, a gift exchange, we always try to get together. So that's really nice. Um, What else? We also um, have rest days. So um, essentially you get one rest. I, don't, I think it's one rest day, um, a quarter. Actually, I don't know. I think we've just increased it because today is a rest day. And I was like, that seems way more frequent than once a quarter um, <laughs> where people can take half of the day off to do whatever they want. Um, another, there's a lot. Of, I think you get like at least four or five rest days a year to just take a break. And you don't have to justify why you can just rest. And um, most of my team is on salary, so they get to control their own schedule. So a lot of the team, whenever they have something happen in their lives, because inevitably life happens, we're humans, um, you know, someone's sick, we're sick, um, something's happening to our dog. A lot of us have dogs. Um, We have to take time off. Um, Everyone on the team is extremely encouraging. I've never had something happened within my life and have told the team like, Hey, I need to take time off. And I've never had them be like, but we need you. They're always so encouraging to be like, yeah, just take the time off. I hope you feel better. I hope things are better. And it's just, that's just become the company culture. So that's really nice. And I think the last thing is passion weeks. So every single year, um, every person that's full-time on the team gets a passion week um, and they get a stipend of one to three thousand dollars, depending on how many years they've been at Passion Planner. So for the first year, you get a thousand. 
second year, 2,000, 3,000 on your third year, and 3,000 every year after that to just explore a passion that you have, um, mm. whether that's like climb Mount Fuji or renovate your backyard, and you get a paid week to do that on top of the stipend. So um, that kind of, that idea actually came to me after I came into a lot of money, and I was like, wow, so many people on my team dedicate like literally the best parts of their life to this mission and I'm the only person that gets to have freedom like that's so wild so um to me that was something that we started in I think the second year once we became profitable um and we've done it every single year ever since and we have paid time of well we have paid time off we have paid holidays um we also do paid holidays oh everyone has full um health vision and dental benefits that we pay for and a 401k. So whenever I meet with my financial advisor and my accountants, they're just like, wow, <laughs> yeah, we need more I people mean, like you, which I think is a really big compliment. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, that's really epic that you're being an innovator in company culture. You know, that passion week, that's really something that came from your heart and from, from wanting to support your team and support, support everyone that's helping you build this mission. And that's super epic. That's really special as a business owner to think outside the box in that way. Yeah, it's, it's definite. It's one of those things where I'm like, time is so precious and our employees give us so much of their time. Like, and typically their best time, you know? So to me, it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you think that also, so you are a BIPOC-owned business. Do you, do you think that that also played a role into just wanting to have a better company culture, just your background and just, you know, just being a part of that community? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, it's interesting because you don't, there's a David Foster Wallace quote um, it's a short story where he's, um, there's like two young fishes and there's an old fish and, um, the old fish goes, how's the water boys? And then the two fish look at each other and they're like, what the heck is water? And to me, I think being in such a community based, um, upbringing as being a Filipino American person, it was just so duh, you know, like how are we going to succeed without each other and how are we not? going to help each other. I was raised in a family that petitioned their, like my parents, my dad is in the Navy and my mom's a nurse, very typical. Um, and they petitioned everyone to come over. So at any point in time in our three bedroom house, there was like 15 people mm. and everyone was your, was related to you and everyone could eat and everyone supported each other and everyone was just always together, always laughing. I remember falling asleep in the living room because I didn't have my own room and like hearing the laughter of like my aunts and my uncles and my mom and that just being such a part of like my culture. So to me, I actually had the choice to automate, like completely automate my business and outsource everything. But I knew that's not, that wasn't the culture that I wanted. I wanted people in real life to be together, to have community, to pursue this purpose that I think is pretty big, which is to help people really find find their inner voice and listen to it and build their life according to their answer. Like I felt like that mission needed people. It needed um, people experimenting, experiencing it and experimenting with life and going through it together. So to me, it was, it was like the only way, um, even though I had other options, it, it was the only way that made sense to me. 
Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. I'm here, yeah, it's really powerful. I love that. I mean, I'm really imagining you as you speak about like bringing in your fa- the family element of like your aunts and everything because, you know, fam- Filipino culture is all about that bringing together, eating together, congregating together. So I really do see uh, touch points and, and that beautiful tradition into your Filipino family, more into your passion planner, passion planner family. So that's great. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, there's like this co- this um, talk about toxicity of um, comparing your employees to family. And I think that I agree with that because sometimes people leverage the benefit of saying like, hey, we're family, right? You do this for me, right? And you can use it in a negative way, but you can also use it as a positive way in mm-hmm. a sense of like, hey, we support each other. Like we accept each other. We care about each other beyond the function of what this employee brings to the table, we care about you as a human. So to me, I think that, um, like, I remember we would call our um, employees family, but I think we strayed away from that and we just call each other a team because I think we add the elements. But I also think that sometimes, um, sometimes people take, uh, like, where they work so personally that if they get let go for whatever reason, which is usually not about them, maybe the company needs to pivot. Maybe it has a different need at the time. Maybe they just can't afford you. Um, then people take it really personally. And I think especially when they tie their identity to their to this group being their family, it's when they start to feel really lost. And that's definitely a struggle that I've had to overcome because when Passion Planner went viral, I hired 50 people in 30 days. Uh, wow. I didn't know you don't do that, but we needed to ship. We needed to answer 120,000 emails. So we did what we could, but eventually I needed to let people go. And um, like not funny, but the team that got let go named that event the Red Wedding because it was during um, Game of Thrones. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, and I was like 20, I think I was 25 or 26 and I had never gone through that, but definitely learned a lot about people, about working with your friends um, and like how to professionally separate those relationships, but still maintain them. Yeah. That's a very important fact. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything you're saying is really powerful. And I think really great tips for people to just consider within their own business. You know, Laura and I here at the podcast are, are really on like a mission to just give more people within this BIPOC community resources to grow their business and to grow themselves. And that's really important to us. So I feel like all these tips are so helpful because we all really resonate with your story on community and family and and, you know, just the dichotomy of like the good and the bad of, of family within work. And so that all really makes sense. And so I'd love to know, like, what other things did you experience in those first years, like hiring the 50 people that you really take on with you? Like those big lessons that you're like, damn, I would not have expected <laughs> those lessons to happen. Yeah, I mean, I fucked up a lot. <laughs> um, and I look back and it's it's kind of as cringe as like reading your old Zanga and you're like, whoa, I really thought that this was the truth. I thought this was the ultimate, you know, thing or reading your old journal. And to me, um, I really wish that I had a stronger mentor. My mentor was in books. My mentor was in Google. I didn't have um, anyone around me that was doing the volume that I was doing and the business that I was doing and the employees that I was doing. So to me, it was a struggle to 
kind of navigate everything and have to learn through experience and through messing up friendships, through losing a lot of money, through um, just be like, I always say um, uh, it's a perfect storm during your first rodeo. And (laughs) sometimes business is that way. It's a perfect storm during your first rodeo because it's so many things that you can't control in a situation that is completely new to you. And I think when I remind myself of that, then I give myself a lot of grace. I give the team a lot of grace. I give um, my friends a lot of grace. I give my family a lot of grace because we're just all trying to figure it out. So to me, I think um, the hiring situation was really difficult. Um, I think also just learning how to slow down was really difficult. So um, there was, when I was 27, um, one of my best friends who was also one of my first employees, Josh, he um, had a stroke at 27. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't really know why, um, but it was like a huge shock. Like his family called me at like four in the morning and I was wondering like maybe he got into a car accident because he liked to race cars. And I was like, gosh, oh, um, but then when his family told me what happened, I was just like, I was 27, you know, four, four years after I started Passion Hunter, um, we were pretty much, uh, the way that I would describe our friendship is like, we're kids with cars and money. Um, we're like fifth graders with cars and money. So I think for me, that was just a huge wake up call of, um, like this go, go, go was not sustainable. Like he definitely, um, like consumed a lot of caffeine. He definitely was not super um, good about what he was eating. And he also just was always working, never slept. Like if he wasn't working for me, he was working on his car. He was doing something else. He was driving to LA. Like he would, he wasn't resting. Mm. So I, I don't really know exactly what happened, but to me it was just like this wake up call of like, we can't just, there's seasons to this. And if you can't embrace the seasons of your life and the seasons of the year, or the seasons of nature, you're going to burn out and it's going, you're going to have to pay in some way. So for me, that was just a really like big wake up point um, that I think about all the time when I find myself overworking or, or not enjoying life. Um, Cause I think it's very easy as a entrepreneur that's, had a lot of success to just keep wanting more. Um, I remember I was on a coaching call with my coach and I had told him, I don't want Passion Planner to be a $20 million business. Like I'm okay with it being where it's at and I'm good. Like everyone's like at a really good place. We're not stressed. Like, like if we can just generate this amount of net profit, I think we're going to be good and I feel happy about it. And he was like, that's really great clarity for you because now you can tell it to your team and you can align them with the objective, which is, hey, let's make sure that we make enough money so everyone could get paid and we can like hopefully give everyone raises. So like that's the end goal for me, at least for oh. this company. It's so, so important, right, to have that milestone because if not, when is enough enough? It's never going to be enough. It's never. Know? Like the amount of money, dollars, whatever, if you do cash equivalents of like all of the currency, the amount of currency on the planet is mind-blowing. Yeah. Like especially from someone coming from a like 
a pretty much a single income household. My dad's Navy salary for like us six plus whoever we were um, petitioning in to come from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in like immense scarcity. So when I came into so much money, I was like, whoa, like I went to Whole Foods this morning and I was like, whoa, I don't mind spending $150 on groceries. My mom spent $150 on groceries like for six people, you know? Yeah, she, yeah. she brags to me about how much this one pound of beef will go into six dishes. Like to oh. me, I'm just like really, I don't know. It's been such a sh- big shift. I think that's also a huge challenge from being um, uh, a BIPOC uh, entrepreneur. It's that challenge of overcoming scarcity and oh. stopping to play that game of capitalism that you've won. And it's still something that I'm still trying to learn. So I stumbled upon something recently that's honestly changed my mornings for the better. Have you ever heard of Magic Mind? Well, before I was guzzling down coffee like there was no tomorrow. But now I just pop open this little green shot with my first cup of matcha in the morning. It's got a surprisingly good taste and just slides right into my usual morning routine. Being as swamped as I am, it has been a freaking game changer. Seriously, give Magic Mind a go. It's become my little morning magic trick. Go to www.magicmind.co forward slash conscious kitchen and get up to 56% off your subscription for the next 10 days with our code CK podcast. See you there. Yeah, I love how you shared that. So tell me about this because obviously you are an entrepreneur. You have your own personal life also putting a lot of fires out, that that trajectory that's instilled inside of us as Filipino Americans, right? It's deep. It's that's that's like deep cultural bloodline stuff, okay? Like from our ancestors and like things like that. How long do you think as a as a human, as a human that has privilege to be able to either use your meditations, to have your coaches, to have mentors, to have therapy, how long do you think was your your trajectory to kind of get over that scarcity mindset, right? Like it could take up to like years, but what was your personal journey going through that? Because if someone is barely starting their journey, like, damn, I should get over this scarcity mindset. I've been working on myself for like a year. Like, when is this going to get, when am I going to get over this? You know? So like, Mm. what was your trajectory on that and this whole journey? Mm, I mean, I think there's a difference between being cheap and being frugal. Like, I still think I'm really frugal. I think I'm very strategic with my money, but I compare a dollar to a dollar. Like, yeah. if I, I'm actually thinking about going on this trip and the trip probably can, I, it's a huge range, right? It's like $30,000 for like the nicest room or $8,000 for like each person for like a triple that would be cheaper than the one. So for me, I'm I'm that kind of person for a very long time that has always been like, let's bring two friends and do the cheaper one, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's been my mentality. And I didn't actually fly um, business class until uh, probably like seven years after or six or seven years after I became a millionaire. So to me, it was like, oh, I can give this money to like my cousin who needs it for college. Like, yeah. duh, that makes, and I can just not lay down. It's fine. Um, but I started to stop thinking about or and start thinking about and because I think when you start to really think about finance and you start thinking about investing and investing, I think there's a correct way to invest. Investing in a way where your risk is very low 
and the growth is almost guaranteed, which to me is in index fund ETFs. Um, so uh, I would read, I will te- teach you to be rich um, by Ramit Sethi. He's we love great. Ramit. We um, love Ramit. <laughs> yeah. Great um, kind of comprehensive um, teaching, you know, and about finances. Cause I could probably sit here and talk forever about it, but just knowing how to make your money work for you is massive because for me, I start to think about what is the cost of my hour? Like, what is the cost of, like, I started the first time that I ever spent a massive amount of money on myself was when I hired my first business coach and she was $50,000 for 52 weeks. But to me, I, I, I remember being on the fence. I remember calling my best friend and being like, hey, um, I'm kind of, am I, am, I, am I losing it? Is this, you know, <laughs> is this, does this make any sense? Because for me, when I was yeah. a kid, I was like, $50,000, that's like the most I ever want to make in a year. That'd be awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, I was like, I don't know. So um, I told them I was on the fence and they were like, well, what kind of person would you show up as if you invested in yourself like that? And I said, okay. That, yeah. They got me. They got me with that. So, dang, that was a good sales pitch for a coach. Because um, I was like, you know what? Why not? And at this, I, I always say to my friends, at the end of the day, I think I'm going to die with money, so I might as well enjoy it. So another great book that I love is called Die With Zero. And it's this concept that every single dollar of your life should be dedicated and intentionally set aside for something or someone when you die. So you're not... You know, he he has this metaphor where it's like if you get paid fifty thousand dollars a year, you die with one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you have no one to give it to, no purpose for it, and it just kind of goes into the ether. You worked three years of your life for free. No one would yeah. ever do that. That All would right. be that would be a crime. <laughs> so, yeah. so to me, I think it's just these constant questions about money, about the do- uh, the value of a dollar, the value of freedom, the value of comfort, the value of. Um, joy, the value of experience. To me, I've always been an experience-focused person when it comes to spending money. I love spending money on my, uh, on like food and friends. So like dinners, I love dinners. I love lunches. I usually pay for all of them. <laughs> so to that. me, I think it's been a process of really understanding that money has energy. The reason why it's called currency is because it's a current. It's flowing, and if you don't let it flow then you're kind of restricting that energy. And to me, the reason why I'm able to do so many things is because I don't do them. I pay the right people to do them and they do them. And also in that is another piece, which is they're gonna mess up. And that's just the tax that you pay on delegation. And that's, you just just gotta accept it, it's part of the game. So I don't know if that really answered your question because I can go through the whole process. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's great. These are kind of, I think, the big takeaways. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. That, that those are all really great takeaways. I'm curious, was there something that also helped you dissect these these different ways of that might just these different feelings that might be instilled within you from your upbringing? Were there other things that helped you kind of dissect and realize, hey, that might be showing up here. That might be show. This might be showing up in this area of my life. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big, one of the memories that I remember from my childhood was um, going to Disneyland with my family and then my dad putting in a $20 bill when the parking back in the day was $10 and it, it said no change and he didn't get his money back and he was 
pissed. He was so pissed. <laughs> and he was pissed the whole day. And yeah. I remember thinking to myself, I will never let money have that much power over me. Mm. And to me, it was like, money is a tool. You break your pencil, you don't cry about it. You, you just sharpen it and move on. Like, it's a tool to get you to your goal. And a lot of times we put a lot of energy and a lot of emotion into money because we have emotional memories to money. But something that I had just, I thought about was like, you can't attract what you're ashamed of having. Like, you can't. So when people say like, oh, well, that person, aren't they so lucky? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice is a, a, is a telltale sign that you feel resentful. And when you feel resentful, that means that you have work to do within yourself of, hey, I want something that I don't have or I've worked for something that I don't feel like I've gotten. And that is your opportunity to look at why. And if maybe the strategy that you're using needs to change. Um, so for me, I think these concepts of money have been just a lot of me noticing when I've had a high emotional reaction to something um, when it comes to money and then realizing, is that good? Is that bad? Did that make me feel energized? Did it make me feel drained? Um, and I like to invest in things that make me feel energized because at the end of the day, money isn't the thing. It's energy. It's time. It's your ability to be present, your health. Like there's that saying that says, um, like, it's not until you're sick that you realize that the only wealth is health. And to me, I'm like, people think about that when they're sick. And I've been trying to think about that as early as possible, um, but not to get too obsessive over it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, wow, I feel really motiva motivated. And <laughs> like, are you a motivation? You're turning into a motivational speaker that's on so this episode. It's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, that's really special. Thank you so much just for all those words. I think these, this, this is going to be such great advice for people just to really resonate and think about and journal and question and just get that self-introspection going. Yeah, for sure. And I hope that whenever people take in any information, whether that's reading a book, reading a post, like reading a tweet, that like if it makes you feel something, that's your inner voice telling you. Even though if you're annoyed, I remember I would go to these events and I would watch these people and be so annoyed by some of the speakers for some reason. And I was just like, oh, that might be something that in myself I want to work on. Like maybe... It's, some, it's trying to tell me something and the game is figuring out what it's trying to tell you. What are you taking as being an Asian brown entrepreneur? What are you leading with in the next like years to come for Passion Planner and your team and basically your brand ethos? Like what are you taking into that into the year? I mean, I think it's intentionality. It's to stop living life on autopilot and start living life with intention with direction, with clarity. And usually when you need that clarity, it's that also means that you need time and space to let yourself slow down, ask yourself questions, go on walks, let yourself think without your phone. Because I think we are so far removed from the seasons of life, nature, that so many answers that we actually know internally are there, but we're so distracted. So for me, it really is trying to encourage people to lead 
their lives with intention and also lead this company with intention. And the only way to do that is to get quiet and to get curious and to get kinder. Um, so to me, I think that's what I'm trying to lead, not only within my team or my friends or my family, but with myself. Leading with the example, that's for sure. Speaking of hiking, tell, please tell us about your hiking base camp of of Everest. Uh, Mount Everest, because I loved watching your journey wow. in that process and just you talking about like your feet and like high dehy- you were high dehydrated. Like obviously, like this was such a the mental fortitude you must have had as a human to prepare yourself for this. Like, yeah. tell tell me about your, the grueling ad- adventure and what were your takeaways from just ha- having that it's such a momentous like mo- like event for you yeah so actually um I had I I didn't really think that I was ever going to do something like that and the reason why I found out about it was Mike Posner who's the musician he had posted on his Instagram stories he was going to um organize an event where he was going to take like a handful of people to go climb base camp Mount Everest and um the trip was 124 miles round trip at really high elevation. Um, and I thought it would be fun. Like, I think there was a part of me that was just very like, why not? And it was a pretty expensive trip, but I was like, you know, I'm going to die with money, so I might as well enjoy it. So (laughs) I remember talking to my assistant and she was like, if I had a ball out button on my desk for you, I would push it (laughs) almost every day because you deserve to just ball out. So, um, I applied and I got in and I honestly didn't think that it was, I didn't comprehend how difficult it could be. I just knew I was going to do it slowly and I didn't care if I was going to be the very last person to be at the top of that little, wherever we were going. I had told everyone, don't worry, I'm going to be last. So don't even worry about being last. And to me, I, in that same way, I gave myself grace. I gave myself kindness. I also gave myself presence. I didn't listen to any music. I didn't listen to any audiobooks. Mm. You know, like the whole time. And we were out there for 11 days. So wow. to me, it was just me being present with my body. Um, there was this one time where we went to the top of base camp. And um, I had that was already, I think, like six hours in. And I had finished my water because I thought we were going to get water at the top. There was no water at the top, so I had to come back three hours. No oh. water. I was crossing the freaking tundra. It was hot. It was cold. Oh. I had to, like, murmur to myself to keep myself conscious. It was so hard. Wow. And I was walking so slow. I don't think people realize how slow you can walk because I was walking. <laughs> it was just so slow. And to me, it was such a beautiful reminder of, like, All of these things that we put so much pressure to have, whether that's a house, whether that's a car, whether that's like a career, like you can live off of so little. And I love that about being in nature. Like I can live off of what's in my backpack right now, you know, like, I mean, not for very long, but you can do that. And to me, that also gives me freedom when it comes to taking risks with money because I'll figure it out. Like whatever I have in here, that's why I told my friends, whatever I have in here, if I lost everything, I feel like I could make some something happen. Um, so 
Yeah, that's something. And I had four concussions last year, too. Um, and same year that I did Base Cap Everest. And to me, it was like the universe trying to tell me, like, slow down. Slow the mm. fuck down, Angel. Yeah. Like, don't make me give you another concussion. <laughs> Shit. For real. So, yeah. yeah. You got to take those messages from the universe. As, 100%. You know, there's it's something, something, something is brewing. Yeah. So uh, we have a few more questions. I'd love to just ask yeah. a few more little things about what your like daily routines are like. Like I've realized for me, having a routine really helps me set up my day for success. And one of my things is like I have like this Magic Mind mushroom productivity drink and it just helps like elevate my energy, but also give me this sense of calm. Is there anything that just helps you? Like whether it's a little small thing, like making yourself a drink or working out or you know just things that since some since you do struggle with ADHD what type of routine gives you that like successful day startup it's so funny because I could answer this question two ways like very brief or very long I'll try to find something in the middle <laughs> okay um, tell us about me, the, the the base the pre-base uh base camp and angel uh, pre-base camp angel I was working out I was so it was interesting because my friend who's a fitness model and just a fitness genius, Nick Denby, he was like, all right, so what you're going to have to do is get your cardio up, like get your cardio up, like your lungs just need to be strong. So during that time, I was almost uh, I would say at least every other day, um, like on um, it's called a what is it called? I don't I don't like the name. I don't yeah, like the name, but it's an, called an assault bike. I hate that word. Okay. Um, but essentially, it's like a, a bike where you push your arms and you also bike, and there's like resistance. You're creating like a fan um, energy. <laughs> And it's so hard. And I push myself. The max I ever got to is, I think it was like 14, 15 minutes. Uh, it was like uh, f- 15 seconds, like all the way, 45 seconds, like going, which was still really hard and just cycles. So, but I'm really gentle with myself. And I think this is kind of the biggest thing when it comes to routine, when it comes to finding your optimal zone. Mm. And I say it with that kind of attitude because there's so much to talk about optimization of like, you're, (laughs) you're not a robot. You're not, you know, like, and for me, I'm very honest with myself. I know when I just want to quit because I'm being, you know, a little, you know, a little boring, and I just don't want to push myself. But I also know when I need to quit because I need to take care of myself. And that actually was one of the biggest things that separated me from a lot of people on base, on the base camp trip. Uh, there was 15 people that went. And I think only um, only nine of us made it, like, all the way back. No, no one, like, got... And that, everyone, those people had to get, like, uh, like left via helicopter, essentially. Um, yeah. So for me... I was just so kind and so patient to myself. And that's kind of just how I go about designing my mornings, designing my days. Like I do have a general idea of what needs to get done. And I use a combination of my planner and my Google calendar. So what I do is I put my to-dos in my planner and I move those to-dos if they're important enough as a time block into my Google calendar. And then I use my planner as a column to just reflect and journal if I'm not using it as a time blocking. So that's kind of like my hybrid um, because I have so many online meetings now that my team's remote. Um, But I have a general structure to my mornings. I try to sleep 
again, everything's flexible. Maybe I'll sleep at two. Maybe I'll sleep at eight. Like yeah. I think last night I slept at eight. Um, and it's so funny because I told my girlfriend I needed to uh, set an alarm because I need to wake up early. And I set an alarm for eight and because I because I have this podcast at nine. And she goes, that's not even early. You wake up at like four. So <laughs> I do wake up at like four or five. But I like to have my mornings to myself and I like to protect that because for me, that's how I um, know that I feel more energized. I feel like I get to have a date with myself every morning yeah. and it's not like regimented. It's not like, all right, so at this time, that's yes. breakfast, this time, workout. Oh, and then yeah. military like, style. No, to me, I'm just like, okay, so today we got, okay, let's go cold plunge. All right, sounds good. Okay, oh, let's go for a run. Oh, we got distracted. Let's go just run to Whole Foods, you know? Like, <laughs> let's just wave around. Oh, okay, I got like an hour until I have to go do this podcast. All right, let's go head back, you know? So it yeah. really is like how you'd have a date with someone. You yeah. don't really like have to be like, let's got to. And then, and then dessert, and then candles. And <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. I love that. Have a date with yourself in the morning. Yeah. I feel like that's a perfect thing to add to your routine to just make it, yeah. pro- make it, make it productive to whatever productivity means to you. Yeah, and you can make a mind map of, like, things that you can do when you have a lot of energy, things that you do when you have a little energy, and, like, you can just have these lists near your near your mirror where you brush your teeth, because hopefully you do that every day. You're not <laughs> like me, because sometimes I forget. Um, but, yeah, and... Like, I think one of the biggest hacks for productivity and just change is recognizing that you're changing behavior and changing behavior in the context of your life is really hard. So I always tell people focus on one thing. So I don't tell people make a routine of like 12 things. I say, what is one thing you want to do more of? Okay, just think about that for the next three months. That's it. And they're like, okay, now I want to do this other thing. I'm like, okay, do you really think that that first thing is second nature? If you think it's second nature, then you can move on to the next thing. If not, try to get it to be second nature for whatever reason. So to me, I'm very much about like very gradual change. Um, And if I were a coach, it would be like the people that I would coach, it would be really focused on the change that you're trying to make isn't the only thing that's happening in your life. So just keep that in mind because that's really how you have a lot of compassion for yourself. Dropping gems today. Angel, thank you so much. Dropping (laughs) gems. Yeah, no problem. And Passion Planner is such an incredible tool, guys. I really hope that you guys check out the Passion Planner because not only are you helping yourself making to make like amazing life goals and check-ins with yourself, but you're also like donating planners and to proceeds and great causes, right? Yeah. So we've given away more than 600,000 planners and more than $650,000. I could have bought a nice little house in Texas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but um, no. And if you can afford a planner, like accessibility is so huge for us. Like Everyone should have access to this tool. So you can yeah. go to our website, print it out for free. What I like to tell people is print out Amazing. the monthly undated and then um, just print out a month in a manila folder and staple it and carry it around in your backpack. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. My gosh. Thank you for doing that for people. Yeah. Accessibility is so important, like you said, and that's that's special that you offer that. That's really yeah. epic. And I know Laura just got her passion planner. Uh, I have it right like, there. 
there. Yeah, you have it because I I took it right. I took I gave I took it from 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 LA to Spain with me in the yeah. summer. <laughs> so Laura, now that you use it, has have has anything super fruitful come out of out of just using the planner in in, in a in a in a nice gentle way for yourself? Yeah, I mean it's such a great thing because I have the weekly one, so it's really good to just write in. I, I don't try to over plan myself anymore. I just try to put at least just three things to get focused. And then once I finish those three things on my passion planner, I move on. But I can't add any more until I get the, the first three tasks done because I beat myself up if I don't get all my goals done. So thank you so much for creating this beautiful tool, Angel. Yeah, and, you know, you're such a ray of light and you're so amazing for um, you know, other young entrepreneurs in our BIPOC community to look up to. And you guys, please follow her on Instagram if you really yeah. want like a good dosage of just, um, I don't know, a wealth of knowledge <laughs> and like just tapping in. Just posted it. I don't... I mean, this episode, this episode was filled with so much good advice. Like, I feel like I could just listen to you, Angel, talk for a really <laughs> long time. So oh, what, go, go on there on Instagram and, and see what else she's going to share with you and what other little tidbits of, of, of great insight that you yeah. can all learn from and, and grow and... Yeah. yeah. And also just share this infer this uh, podcast with someone right now you think that would benefit from this. And check out passionplanner.com and they have a bunch of uh, cool options to and, and the covers you could shop on and even cute stickers and pens. So definitely check oh, out passionplanner.com. pens. I showed this to one of my friends in Bali <laughs> and she and I erased it in front of her. She goes, magic pen. And I was like, magic pen. Yeah. Wait, erasable pen? Yeah, they're erasable. Oh, hell yeah. I, I got to go on there and get some of those. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're really well, good. Yes. Thank you so much. Angel, if you have anything yeah, else to leave with so our amazing family of the Conscious Kitchen podcast where we create conscious conversation, um, you could leave a, leave a little drop, little drop, last gem before we sign yeah. out for today's episode. Um, it's a quote that I said during one of my, my first TED Talk, which is, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to start. Um, I think that we are constantly trying to strive for perfection, but that doesn't happen the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, hundredth try sometimes. And to me, it's having the courage to start and starting in alignment with yourself is so powerful and it will take you really far. So good luck everyone on your journey and hopefully we cross paths sometime. Yeah. Woo! Thank you, Angel. Thank you guys so Thank much for listening you. to the Conscious Kitchen Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, love y'all. See you soon. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>